Welcome to Talking Jets. My name is Ryan, and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my co-pilot, Green Bean. Welcome. How you doing, Green Bean? Oh, I'm great, man. We got a, we got, we had a pretty, you know, eventful week as far as uh, the deep lull of the off season goes. So I'm excited to talk to you, man. I haven't talked to you all week, so I'm in a good mood, Ryan. I'm happy to be here, buddy. I like it. I like it. Boys and girls, we'll have Richie joining us in just a little bit. He said he'd probably hop on in like 20, 25 minutes or so. And then Matt may be with us in a little bit. He has some stuff going on, so possibly maybe not Matt, but we'll see. Either we'll way, stay. great to have all of you with us. Make sure you hit that like button on your way in. For every 25 likes we get, we're going to pick a t-shirt qualifier to get a t-shirt at the end of this stream. Uh, and I believe Mark Riss, I think you were the one that won it last week. I have not forgotten about you. I got your information. I've just been busy, so I'll, I'll get that shirt out to you. Uh, lickety split. Nice. Oh, what we got going on in the chat? Who's, who's in here right now? Who's Mike here? Miles saying we're late. Gilbert says, where is everyone? Phil says, putting on stage makeup. <laughs> it's, it's tough to yeah. look this good. Uh, all the time. We got Jets forever. Says Becton is the best tackle in football. First team all pro. Daniel says hasn't even started yet. And 15 of us liked it. We're in projection season, baby. That's right. Nick. Hank. Squirmy. Thank you. Yeah, you got, I see Ali in the chat. There he is. There's Ali. Official loyal NY Jeff fans. What up, dude? Nice to have you, Ali. Um, what else we got? Psh. Look at this. Look at this. Hit that like button, says Harlan. Thank you. That's right. I'm already getting two, two winners. Uh, Nightbot's two telling me there's... Yeah, already two. Nick Russo, you are the first qualifier tonight. No, starting early. I love it. DMAC in the chat says, let's go Rangers. I guess, you know what? I asked Green Bean beforehand if I should throw the jersey on. I'm going to throw the jersey on. Yeah, what did I say? Did I say yes? There he goes. He's going to put his Ranger jersey on. Now, you got to support. I know lots of Islanders fans and Devils fans. They don't want it. You know, they're rooting against them, but... Me being kind of a benign hockey fan these days, I was a passionate Islanders fan for about a decade, but I've since mellowed, so I'm rooting for the Rangers. I'd like to see them win. Got lots of Ranger fan friends. Ooh, nice. Nice and bright. It's a little odd because I feel like I'm in a Giants jersey almost. <laughs> it almost feels dirty. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> it's been exciting. Wow. I, I've only recently started getting into hockey. I've always enjoyed watching hockey, but never really like actively watched it. I went to my first hockey game just before COVID kicked off uh, and got to see like five goals scored by the Rangers. I was like, all right, that's it. Savannah Jet, he's my guy. Hitching my wagon to him. So I got to just like that. Hell yeah. And it's been a lot of fun to watch these playoffs. This team is crazy. Hockey really is fun, man. I mean, it's obviously you got to pay attention, right? So it's a lot better when you know who's who and you know their tendencies and and all that kind of stuff. But 
Uh, it really is a fun game. It just, you know, it almost never stops. You know, my favorite aspect is, is penalties. Like the fact that you get into a penalty and then the, the other team is at a disadvantage during that time. So it's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You have an extra guy. Like, I don't know. I, I think that is a, just such a cool wrinkle uh, about hockey. Like you're allowed the extra player, mm-hmm. sometimes two. So I, uh, I, uh, I was a, you know what? Remember when, when Dennis Bird got paralyzed, the mm-hmm. Jets wore a number 90 sticker on their helmets. The Islanders wore the same sticker on their helmet because they all practiced in the same place, Hofstra, Nassau Coliseum. And from that moment on, I was a big Islanders fan, and I got really into them for like 10 years, and they were good. Um, but since then, I have, I have mellowed. Uh, so now I just kind of root for all the teams in, in New York, New Jersey. I'd root for Devils too, you know? Makes it easier, I guess. <laughs> I always, I told my, uh, I had friends that were like, oh, it's, you know, Jets, Mets, you know, the whole, whole spiel. Uh, and I was like, ah, you know what? I see enough losing with the Jets. I'm going to go with some, uh, some teams that might be winning a little bit more. Imagine that, right? Yeah, Imagine that. Whatever. Judge me. <laughs> I had fun with it. I do, like you're saying, I, how cool would it be if you had like the NFL where it was like, okay, you have to play a certain amount of drives. Like maybe it's only like, I shouldn't say drives, a certain amount of plays without a player due to like penalty like imagine like i don't know roughing the passer okay now there's 10 guys on defense Whoa. totally imagine or offense who knows intentional grounding no quarterback for a play boy no quarterback right he's got to sit down and and you got to figure it out like i think that would be interesting you know imagine that man like all of a sudden your 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 offense has one less guy or vice versa like what you could do to that team during that play it would be so interesting to see how the NFL would try to react to it. Cause there's already like a shit ton of points in the NFL. So it's not like a, uh, I don't know. You'd almost have, it, it would almost be a, a benefit for like the defensive side of the ball when there's a holding penalty. Oh, now you got four offensive linemen. I don't know what to tell you. you yeah. Four, right. You better be scrambling. <laughs> like it just kind of, it almost eliminates like an additional play. It'd be that so really hard does. to play a man down. Yeah, I think the thing is with footballs, like that's, you know, even though hockey's obviously a contact sport and all that, you're moving the puck around in such a way, like football, you could get somebody killed. You know what I mean? In that in that scenario. Yeah, there's also a lot less people too, right? Like you got five people on the ice for your team versus 11, you know. Yeah, I totally. Know. I guess it, it creates more open shots where I guess in the NFL, if you were to remove a player, it might. But I feel like you open up injury a little bit more in football than maybe you allow in hockey. I don't know if that's entirely true, but it feels that way. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've talked to myself about getting more into hockey again. And if I do, I'm definitely going to the Islanders. I mean, that's my team. Like if I have to, if I'm going to watch, I'm an Islanders fan. Um, but uh Again, I just haven't been able to peel myself away for it. And it sucks because, you know, even like I was a big, big Nets fan. And then even Knicks during Patrick Ewing, I went to numerous games. I watched every game for for years. And uh, I kind of got away from that as well. But it's like now I see like the teams that they're building. And I, I keep saying, I got to start watching again. And I just don't. I'm too busy. You know? Patrick Sullivan seems a little... Uh irritated he goes wait you're a ranger but you say you had enough losing with the jets lmao just kidding go devils uh <laughs> yeah look i had 
I don't really care. <laughs> it's I get excited. I want to see good. I want to see good hockey. I want to see good. Like it's nice rooting for a team to win. Like I mean, I always rooting for the Jets to win, but it's nice to root for a team that is like has the potential to really win it all. That's it's like it's it's fun. It's been a long time as far as like Jet fans go since we were able to really hang our hat on that. 2010 is probably right. the last time you're you're talking that. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about it this year, I think. You know, the 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 big thing for us really is, and I know it, this applies to everybody, but for us, we haven't been able to stay healthy in a long time. Now, Joe Douglas has really compiled a an impressive collection of young talent, man. I mean, again, we don't know what everybody's going to do, but the potential is really there more so than we've seen in a long time. And if we can stay healthy, like if Becton and Lawson and Elijah Moore and Michael Carter, if all those guys can play more games, you know, than they don't, I think that we're going to see some really impressive football and we'll see some growth and maybe even some fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, it really can happen. And don't forget, man, you know, I know our schedule's brutal. But you got the Deshaun Watson thing in Cleveland. You know, you, you know, you, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, you never know who's going to get hurt. Like what it looks like right now isn't necessarily what it's going to be. Pittsburgh, we don't even know who their quarterback is. Is it going to be, uh, you know, Trubisky or a, or a rookie? So we could get them at the right time. Like you just never know. And if, if we're healthy, Ryan, I think that we can compete with most of the teams. Maybe not beat them. But we're going to be able to compete with most teams out there. And that's going to be a hell of a lot of fun that we're not used to. You know what today is, Green Bean? Tuesday. Three years ago. Three years ago today. What happened? Oh, right. The Joe Douglas anniversary. What do you think of that, man? Right. Oh, man. If you told me three years ago that, I, you know, I don't even know what I was kind of thinking. When I heard, when I heard like, oh, okay, they got rid of uh mike mccagnan after the draft they didn't let joe douglas make his picks my whole thought process was like oh well you know joe douglas's scouts weren't here you know so maybe it doesn't matter so much like the the it wouldn't have swayed how things went but you think we had Le'Veon bell cj mosley tremaine johnson quincy anunwa kalechi osemily like all these guys that are like we we're still clearing dead cap off the the, the team at this point from those contracts, we just got rid of Osemele and Anunwa's contracts last year, Tremaine Johnson. It's wild to it's see crazy. how far we've really come. Yeah, right. Well, look at the pillars of our organization. When Joe Douglas came aboard, we had Adam Gase and Greg Williams as our co-head coaches, right? Remember that whole thing? He was oh, yeah. the head coach of the defense. Adam Gase didn't even talk to the defense. Uh, it was just a crazy thing. So we had Adam Gase and Greg Williams. Our quarterback was Sam Darnold. The leader of our defense was Jamal Adams. You know, like you said, like we had Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts. You know, we had uh, Avery Williamson and, uh, you know, and C.J. Mosley. But it was such a different vibe. We still had Kalecio Semele. We had Spencer Long uh, at, at, at center. And it's just like, look at how much needed to be done and how far we've come. Now, we don't know what this team is going to be, right? Like, we don't know. But as far as the types of guys that we have, like, look at the collection of talent, man. 
uh, on this team. And it's it's night and day from where we were. And good thing Joe Douglas had the presence of mind to actually get rid of those guys. If McCagnum was still here, like so, if Adam Gase, God bless him, didn't get Mike McCagnum fired, we would have had, like, let's say McCagnum hired Matt Rule. And we had Matt Rule and and Mike McCagnon. You know we'd still have Sam Darnold. They would have given Jamal Adams the highest paid contract. We'd still have Marcus May. Uh, you know what I mean? Like all those guys. Le'Veon Bell would probably still be here. Uh, all that stuff. And that's the team that we'd be dragging through the mud. Instead, Joe Douglas gutted it and look at where we are. It's literally night and day. I can't believe how much we've changed. Yeah, look at the personalities too. You had Le'Veon Bell, who I was a pump, like really pumped up for us to get. I remember. But, I remember. Know, disgruntled <laughs> guy, you know, fighting to get off his team, wanted a massive contract. Jamal Adams wanted a huge contract. Jermaine Johnson, franchise tag twice in a row, looking for the big money. Comes here. We overpay CJ Mosley by like, what was it, three or four million dollars a year just to get him to come here? Like, that doesn't happen anymore. There are no players that get overpaid to come here. It's, do you want to be a New York Jet? We're going to give you market value. And if it's a no, they're not on this team. They want, they believe in the, the, you know, the systems we have, the coaches we have, the players we have. They're on this team. They're here for the long haul. So I really like that. Yeah, well, think. look, did you see the article? I think it came out like last week or something. Um, the, uh, about Avery Williamson, he said that when he was a free agent, he he thought he was going to go to the Colts. They were the ones that wanted him, and he wanted to go there. He said then that the last minute, the Jets swooped in and gave him more money than everybody else, like significantly more. And he said, okay, I guess I'm going over there. But he didn't have any real intention of being here. He didn't really have any passion. He came here specifically for the money. And then he did the same thing with, with C.J. Mosley. And Le'Veon Bell and all the guys that McCagden got here, Tremaine Johnson, it was literally because he paid them much more than anywhere else they were going to go. So that's when you start seeing guys that are disengaged. They get it, you know, they they twist their pinky toe and they're like, "Nah, I I I gotta, you know, I gotta nurse this." Like they stay out longer and all. There there was no passion on the team. Remember that when when uh, it was um. The 2020, I think it was, when they scored a touchdown and nobody even raised their hands. It was one. Makai Becton raised his hands like, yeah, and nobody else even gave a shit. They just scored the touchdown and walked off the field. That's how much they didn't care. And that's the difference, man. Like, it's not like that anymore. Robert Salas said, um, you know, we don't have anybody here that we overpaid to come here. Not one person. And that's a huge difference. Yeah, passion in a in a project, whether it be you know a sports team, a, a job, a you know a hobby, things like that. If you don't have that passion, it's not going to translate to success. You have to be passionate. If you're doing it just for the money, it usually doesn't work out uh, in your favor. Patrick Sullivan says, "Sorry, Ryan, just had to bust your chops because we are the same age and from New Jersey." Patrick, <laughs> I still like you. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah. We'll get I through see it. You guys talking in the chat. Uh, we got, uh, yeah. Did you see Mangold and Revis and who's the other one? Was it Harris? Are those three making the, the ring of honor? No, DeBrickishaw Ferguson. That's what it was. DeBrickishaw. DeBrickishaw, Mangold and Revis. Those yep. are the three. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, I think uh, number one, I mean, all three of those guys deserve it. But, uh, you know, I, it's cool to see DeBrickishaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold get in there together. I mean, those guys, they were drafted together. They were our, our dual first round picks in 2006. They were the first picks of that regime, um, you know, Tannenbaum and, and Mangini. And uh, to see them play their 10-year career, you know, I think Mangold played 11 um, and and Brick played 10, but neither one of them ever missed any time. It was like they were they were there. We knew who our center and our left tackle were going to be. They were among the best every single year, and it was really great to see them. They came in together, they played together, and now they go in the ring of honor together. Uh, so I think that's real neat. And Revis, I mean, look, uh, whatever you think about his holdouts, you know, his going to the Pats, winning a Super Bowl, kind of getting fat his last year and not really caring. Uh, whatever you think about that stuff, you you can't take away that he was the best cornerback that we ever had, potentially one of the best to ever play the game. And we got to watch that, man. And uh, it's nice to see him go in. I will say, Ryan, and I've talked about this a little bit, I, I do have to admit, though, that I'm a little bit bent out of shape that they skipped over Mo Lewis to do that. And it's like, you know, Mo Lewis, absolutely one of the best Jets to ever suit up. Definitely the best, maybe the second best linebacker that we've ever had. And it's just a sad thing. Like they went to this era, you know, Revis, Mangold, Brick, they're all the same era. And they skipped over Mo. So I, I can't help but be upset by that. Again, I love the three players. I'm glad they all got in. I support it. I'm with it. But it's just, it's kind of sad to me. Like Mo's whole career, he was he was skipped over for Junior Seau and Derek Thomas. He had comparable num numbers, if not better numbers. And they just ignored him for seven or eight years. And now they're ignoring him again. And it bothers me, dude. It, it just does. I don't know why this guy can't seem to get his accolades. Now, when did we draft Mo? Because that, 91. I, 90, well, that's, I, do you think that has something to do with it? It was the ownership change from Hess to Johnson at the end of the 90s. Well, well I don't know. I mean, right? No, Mo Lewis was here when Woody Johnson bought the team. No, I know. But yeah, like, yeah. Do you think that played an impact? Like, the, like guys that are getting in now, I mean, I guess Wayne got in. Or no, yeah, yeah Wayne got into the ring. And that was, he was here yeah. before. Well, and there's lots of guys. I mean, there's Freeman McNeil, there's Kletko, Gastineau. There's all those guys. Obviously, yeah, Joe Nunez. They, they didn't get Maynard. in after Woody bought it. They, they got in before that. Well, the Ring of Honor was new. There wasn't a Ring of Honor at Giant Stadium, I don't think. I think that was a new thing. It's definitely newer. Uh, maybe it was at Giant Stadium, but let me let me see when they, when they started it. Yeah, I feel um, like growing up, I always used to see the jerseys kind of, they used to have like the jerseys along the bottom because they'd swap out the panels. I, I think that's what happened. Man, it's so long ago now since like we had Giant Stadium. I could be misremembering all this stuff. Yeah, well, no, and you remember, I mean, they had, uh, in in all the Jets home games in Giant Stadium, they had uh, three things on that. They had a jacket that said Weeb on it. They had number 12, which was Namath, and number 13, which was Don, Name, uh, Don Maynard. They had those like on the wall uh, every game. So there was always that. But the Ring of Honor is a newer thing. It's around like it's like right at the bottom of the second deck. And it's like it has a whole ring of all their 
all those players' names, but uh, it did. I got to try to see when it started. Um, when did the New York Jets start? Let's see here. 2011. Oh, wow. That's what it's Man, that's way later mm-hmm. than I would have ever thought. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was at MetLife. I, don't, I didn't think they had it at Giant Stadium. Again, that might be wrong. It says here 2011, um, but I thought it was, a, I don't know. Let me see. Uh, yeah, I think that's the initial year, 2011. I might be wrong. If somebody else can find that, uh, let me know. But, uh, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like, look, again, I don't want to taint, right? I'm not trying to take a great moment and make it negative, but I just don't know why this guy gets skipped over. And I know what people are going to say. You know, oh, he fucking started the uh, Tom Brady regime. That's the stupidest thing in the world. It's like, think about this. At the time when Mo Lewis laid out Bledsoe, he was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He was the first $100 million quarterback in the NFL. And he just signed that contract the year before. So he was a top quarterback in the NFL. Now he was having a bad year, but it was only game two. So more than likely, he would have been passed by Brady anyway. But don't forget, Bledsoe also won league MVP for Buffalo in 2007. So the guy was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. When Mo Lewis crushed him, 100% of Jets fans cheered. We thought it was great. Nobody in a million years thought Tom Brady, a sixth-round pick, would come in and beat Tom Brady. Think about this, Ryan. If C.J. Mosley, week one this year, if... If Lamar Jackson's running out to the right and C.J. Mosley crushes him and he goes out for the game, is that not a positive? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? We'd be jumping up and down as far as like, okay, we have a shot at winning this game. You know, That's right. Chances just got better. Not that you're rooting for injury by any means. Right. And let's say Brett Hundley comes in and and he's great. Is that that, um, uh, C.J. Mosley's fault? You know what I mean? That's how ridiculous this argument is. So I'm it just upset really for Mo, you know? Yeah, it is really silly to see. Now, as far as the guys that are getting in, love Mangold. Mangold's one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah. Uh, Revis, I can appreciate how good he was. I'm not going to lie. I there, There's definitely a, a bitter part of me about the whole uh, him going to New England. But we also had the opportunity to get him back, and we, we chose did. not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got our buddy Richie jumping in now. Richie, give me a nice. thumbs up when you're ready to – Go. I think he can hear me. Pretty sure he can hear me. Let's see. All right. He is good to go. Welcome. Richie, that has Matt's name right now. What's up, dude? What up? My name is Matt. Uh, I got a YouTube channel called Matt. There he is. Good to see you, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to be on the battle with the boys. (laughs) No, all seriousness. Uh, hey, there I am. There's Richie's name. What's good, boys? Welcome, welcome uh, to another Jets panel. I'm Matt O'Leary, and I'm excited to be uh, talking Jets with you guys. Yeah, dude, dude. I love it. We were just talking a little bit about the uh, the Ring of Honor with Mangold and DeBrickashaw and Revis getting nice. in, the lack of Mo Lewis being in the ring. Uh, Richie, how are you feeling about uh, our three new additions that are going to be coming into the Ring of Honor this year? Well, first and foremost, shout out to everybody in the chat. It's great to see everybody. This is a dead time for the Jets or NFL in, in uh, general for the off season. Uh, so it feels good to be, you know, here talking Jets with you guys. So Ryan, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to talking Jets with you boys. And uh, man, 
those three guys are my childhood. Um, Nick Mangold, DeBrickashaw, Ferguson, Darrell Rivas. When I think about the Jets, um, those are the three players that come to mind. Uh, when I became a Jets fan, that 2006 year, that draft was really – I was eight years old, and that was like really when um, the core of my childhood got drafted to this team. And um, I fell in love with DeBrickashaw Ferguson because uh, he grew up uh, a town over – not a town over from me, but a town like seven, ten minutes away from me on Long Island, and it was a rival actually for my high school. Freeport is where he's from. I'm from East Meadow, so those high school rivalries were uh, legit. Um, so I loved the Brickershaw Ferguson growing up, Nick Mangold. Um, as you, I'm sure you guys know my friend Jack. That's always on my channel. For those of you guys that know uh, Jets Media and watch my channel, my buddy Jack is always on my channel. His dad is Nick Mangold. Like he literally looks like Nick Mangold. That was always a a funny little thing. <laughs> so like I, I have a connection with Nick Mangold for that reason, and Jack's dad loved him for that. And obviously Darrell Rivas. I mean, I had a Rivas Island poster um in my in my room growing up and Rebus was my guy i would always debate with my friends that he's the greatest corner of all time while he was playing and now i'm pretty sure that is you know obvious at this point unless there's trolls out there but man it, it just feels great that those three players are being recognized in the highest possible um uh thing in the new york jets organization v-man drops in says anybody else laughing at the clown show that is the pats making matt patricia the offensive coordinator man Will they be a dumpster fire or what? I totally missed that. That's a thing. They made Patricia the offensive coordinator. Yep. That's true. Crazy, isn't it? He'll be calling plays potentially. It's not, it's not official yet. You know, if there was anybody I would love to see Josh McDaniels get replaced by, (laughs) it's a former defensive coordinator. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, geez. Crazy. Well, I mean, look, dude, here's the thing. It's hard to bash Bill Belichick because he seems to do unorthodox things all the time and he ends up coming out on the other side clean. So you just don't know. But the good news is he doesn't have Tom Brady to cover this shit anymore. Like, that's the whole thing. Tom Brady covered a lot of mistakes up there. So it's going to be nice if it starts to really, you know, burn him, like drafting Cole Strange in the first and all these things that he does. It's nice to see uh, that it won't be covered up with Tom Brady, and maybe it'll start to burn him like it like it should have, and then we can start to see this guy uh, slink off into the darkness. You know, get out of here. I'm sick and tired of seeing the Patriots do well. I just want to see them burn up in flames. Nothing yeah. would be happier than seeing the dumpster <laughs> fire that is there. Now, I will say this: having a second-year quarterback and losing Josh McDaniels is probably one of the more underrated uh, moves for the AFC East this year. I feel like not as many people are talking about that. They're more so talking about like the draft and like the Jets good draft and Miami getting uh, Tyree kill. And I, I feel like some of the coaching staff gets lost uh, on that. Richie, what are your thoughts on McDaniels not being in New England anymore? That's definitely going to be a factor because he's been there for so long. Like that has been, you know, we all know, continuity is such a big thing and we all know as Jets fans that's something that we've never experienced having the same system and the same coaching staff year in and year out and luckily for us we're going into year number two of the system for all the young players on this team and when it comes to the Bill Belichick situation as the head coach and then him not having that bright mind of Josh McDaniels taking over the offense because we all know Bill Belichick he's a defensive minded guy special teams guy his, the offensive mind is not really there, even though Bill Belichick, he's a football guy, right? You can't really say he doesn't have an offensive mind. 
but that's not his expertise. So Josh McDaniels was that guy that really was the mastermind behind there. Um, so I think it's going to be something that Mac Jones is going to have to adjust. Uh, I think that Mac Jones had a really good rookie season. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like Mac Jones is an intelligent quarterback where it's not going to really hinder him too much. And I also feel like we've seen Mac Jones's like peak, not, not really peak. I know it's his rookie season. He still has room for improvement, but Mac Jones doesn't scare me to the point where he can become like a top five, top 10 quarterback. He's always going to be that quarterback that just plays within the, within the structure of the offense, um, making the right reads and just throwing intermediate passes and playing within the structure. And I feel like the Patriots are going to try to do that same thing where, you know, they're just going to try to hold his hand through it. And I've seen a lot of people compare what the Jets did their rookie season with Zach Wilson compared to like guys like Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence, where they did not baby Zach Wilson into it. They were not holding his hands. They threw an entire legit NFL playbook at Zach Wilson. He had to run it like a legit veteran quarterback guy like Mac Jones. He handed the ball off a lot. They weren't, you know, relying on him to win them those games. And, you know, that's their structure. It's not like it's a good or bad thing, but I feel like with Josh McDaniels leaving and Matt Patricia potentially calling plays, I think that's only a good thing if you're a Jets fan. Jets NY says off topic, Ryan, where is a Dolby Atmos theater? Rockaway. Uh, New Jersey, the Rockaway Mall. I'm going to IMAX right after this to see Ooh, Top Gun. Seen. Top Gun. Mm. Top Gun. There Didn't see go. it yet. I asked Becca. So Becca's due on Saturday. Woo! Um, I have a love affair with all the Jurassic Park movies. And the Jurassic World movie comes out <laughs> like Thursday night into Friday. I was like, Becca, our daughter is going to be born on the release of Jurassic World. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, can I get you a babysitter for like four hours? And she's like, I swear to God, if you do that, I will never forgive you. I was like, oh, I guess I'm not watching the movie. Do you go to see uh, at the Dolby Atmos theaters when you see oh, movies? Yeah. I'm a, I don't I'm have a cinephile. one. I've never that? been to one. I've never oh been to a Dolby Atmos. Dude, you've got to go. Yeah, it's what is your spatial it? awareness. So like the sound, I'm used like to if you have a helicopter flying over, like Top Gun, that would be a cool one because you hear the plane fly over it, you hear it fly in space over the theater yeah. really freaking cool there's it's none like, on long island so i i have imax which is still I, i'm a big imax guy but i still want to experience dolby atmos because i know like that those are the two top um cinematic experiences oh yeah anything with like major sounds so like a star wars movie a jurassic world a top gun something like that it's it's impressive i saw which i think i saw the second jurassic world movie in dolby atmos not that long ago like four years ago maybe five years ago first movie i saw in it blown away <laughs> absolutely i was like i'm hmm. never i don't go to that many movies in theater where it's like okay i'm spending 14 dollars for a ticket or i could spend the extra six and get the uh you know the dolby atmos experience if you haven't done it uh you're gonna have to give it a try because it's definitely definitely oh, yeah. i'm a big big movie theaters guy everyone go to the theaters hell yeah okay help, help out the industry <laughs> Yeah, I can't uh, handle the movies anymore. I got old in a hurry. It's like it seems like madness in there for me. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I'm like, I, I, I want to go home. <laughs> How great is it that they've added? Like, I remember That's growing so up and like Van Dango became a thing, and it was like, oh, I could buy my ticket ahead of time. Now it's like, oh, you could buy your seat ahead of time. Yeah. It's not like you're waiting online. Like, I remember getting the movies like an hour and a half, two hours early for like big blockbusters. Like, I got to get a good seat. Like Dark Knight, dude. I was online for like way longer than I should have been. 
Yeah, I went to see Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, and and uh, but I I was in New Jersey and I went to one in like Bloomfield, like right off Route Three there, uh, maybe Clifton Bloomfield, and that was it. That was the first time we ever like called up. My sister did it, and she picked our seats, and they like reclined and everything. I was quite literally laying down with a big <laughs> basket of fries, like it was like they you know they delivered the. I couldn't believe what the hell I was like. Okay, I can do this. This is good. <laughs> yeah, the evolution of theaters are crazy with the the dine in oh, yeah. situations, but they got little like, oh yeah, um, what do you call it? One of those like, things where you put your food trays. on and stuff. Yeah, the trays. I couldn't think yeah, of the word. Trays. Yeah, yeah, yeah order a beer in the movie theater. It's like, all right, this isn't too bad. There's not too many things that make, uh, you know, having a cold beer wouldn't make better. Yeah, having a movie. I gotta catch a a ten twenty movie tonight. Nice. <laughs> I like it. So we'll like see how that goes. How far is the theater from your place? It's like a nice 10, 15 minute drive. So I'm going go with my buddy. So right after this, I'll be uh, on the road. Running out. I watched the original uh, Top Gun last night. So I'm fully in- invested. Was that your first time seeing it? It was. And I don't know why it was. Well, my dad always told me. It was one of my dad's favorite movies growing up. And he was always like, you got to watch Top Gun. You got to watch Top Gun. And now the second one's coming out. And he's like, you got to watch Top Gun. I'm like, okay, I'll <laughs> watch it. And I was like, wow, that was great it's a good movie prime says hi guys great job any worry about a uh, rumor that wilson looked inaccurate in the yeah. OTAs? anything to worry about i'm a jets fan i always worry it's natural to worry about everything you hear about from the jets because we haven't had much success in recent years uh, and i'll admit when i saw the oh no zach wilson looks inaccurate my first initial instinct was like ah and then I'm like, ah, it's OTAs. If everyone looked like a finished product in OTAs, they wouldn't have training camp, or they wouldn't have, well, they wouldn't have training camp, they wouldn't have preseason. There's a long, long way to go. I have no concern about Zach Wilson right now. If he starts looking really bad in preseason, then maybe I'll start changing my tune a little bit. But uh, look, you got to build some chemistry with your team and figure it all out. I would imagine he's just trying to figure out how to torque that body uh, with all that lower leg muscle that he's got now. Richie, right. are you concerned about this uh, inaccurate quarterback news we're hearing? Absolutely not. Um, I don't know if you guys watched um, the Mark Sanchez, what do they call it, the exchange, or the Mark Sanchez-Nick Mangold uh, podcast episode with Zach Wilson on there. And Zach Wilson said something interesting where he's like, you know, they asked him a question about what's different in year number two, like how's OTAs going? And he said, yeah, you know, the, the biggest difference for me is like when I do make a mistake, I feel way more comfortable of, you know, moving and I'm looking forward to the next opportunity to, to work on that mistake where last year the mistakes were coming and he was overwhelmed and he didn't know how to fix those mistakes. So it's cool, cool to hear that like he's still making mistakes and that's normal, right? He's going to be, he's a human being. He's in year number two. He's a young quarterback. Every quarterback in the league makes mistakes. So it's just a matter of how he's going to learn from those because he's not going to be perfect. You're going to see the flashy stuff on Twitter where he makes the crazy throws and you're going to see, uh, situations where he underthrows people or throws it behind people. And those are the mistakes that he needs to learn from. Uh, he's not a finished product. You know, we're going to get hyped up about the good flashy stuff that the Jets uh, beat reporters talk about. And then when he's, uh, we hear about the bad stuff, we're going to start to worry. So don't read too much into OTAs. It's really early. It's only June. There's no pads. There's no 
barely any 11 on 11 drills. Um, so I just really am looking forward to seeing what Zach Wilson does in terms of building off of the adversity of ha having the ability to looking at the film of practice and going after that, the next play the next day and seeing like, okay, I know where to go with the football on this one. Cause yesterday I threw the ball there. The ball needs to be there next time. So it was really interesting to hear that from Zach Wilson himself, that he's processing his mistakes a little differently this year. Yeah, we saw that towards the end of last year, too. Like the little, just minute details, you know, working the the hard count. Um, you know, we saw the maybe running or taking a sack rather than forcing a ball and getting an interception. Uh, catching guys, catching the other team with 12 men on the field. Like those types of little intricacies that you don't normally see a rookie quarterback start to make. Uh, those are the things he's able to start to maybe focus on once he starts getting a little more comfortable. And I think as you saw later in the season after he sat and learned a little bit, he started feeling a little more comfortable with the playbook. And coming into year two, you're going to see even more of that. Uh, Greenbean, what are your thoughts on the inaccuracies of our young quarterback? Yeah, well, you know, clearly he's not the guy. You know, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a funny thing. You know, um, like like Richie said, I mean, you know, and, and you for that matter. It's like, dude, it's OTAs. Uh, they're getting their, they're just getting their muscles moving again. Like that's all this is. They're kind of going over the playbooks. They got a bunch of rookies they're folding in they're, The guys are meeting each other. It's like, it's like, you know, just shaking off the off season, uh, getting their bodies moving again. I'm not too worried about it. Last year when Zach came in, if you guys remember, there were all sorts of cheers, for him and Elijah Moore in practice. Remember that? We were like, oh my God, he's going to throw for 4,500 yards. Oh my God. Everybody went nuts. And what happened in the season? You know, I, it, it literally means nothing. You know, look, you'd always want to hear that your guy looks 100% positive 100% of the time. Sure. But uh, I'm not worried about it in the slightest. It's, uh, it's voluntary camp, guys. We need to keep things in perspective a little bit. Gabe says Preach. over undertime sauce inner. Ooh, okay. So sauce interceptions two and a half. Uh, I'm going to say over, I think we're going to, I know we haven't had a lot of interceptions the last few years, but I think you could see a similar stat line to uh, Patrick Sertan, who I believe had four interceptions. So I think two and a half is, is fine for sauce. I think with our pass rush, we'll be able to generate a little bit more pressure. So Richie, your thoughts. Yeah, I think Sauce is going to get three-plus interceptions. Um, Jermaine Johnson, five-and-a-half sacks. That's tough. If he gets six sacks as a rookie, that's that's a really um, good milestone to hit because you got to take in consideration this defensive line's rotation that's going to be happening and the amount of heads we have on this defensive line. It's not going to be like we have one guy that pops all 15-and-a-half sacks, uh, which is possible, right? Carl Austin can do it. You never know. I don't want to say that's impossible, but I feel like it's going to be more of a split workload between Quinnen and John Franklin Myers and Jermaine and even Martin and you know all those guys on the defensive line. I can talk about them for a long time. So I'm going to take the under on Jermaine Johnson's sack total um, and Garrett Wilson over 600 and Brees Hall rush yards over 700. So over on everyone but Jermaine Johnson. That's not a knack on Jermaine Johnson. I just don't want to be here like over everything. Over, yeah, the Jets are cake and flight. Yeah. We're going to the playoffs. All the rookies are, are going to be the best. I got to try to grab myself somewhere. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson, I'm, I'm right there with you. I like Johnson a lot, but I think five and a half sacks is it would be a really impressive season for him considering the rotation. And that's kind of the knock that 
I think a lot of people are starting to key on for Quinn and Williams. If he's not getting a ton of snaps and he's being rotated out more frequently, he may not get the massive sack numbers that you kind of want to see from the number three overall pick. And you wind up getting, you know, maybe a really big contract. Like, is it worth it for the Jets to give Quinn a massive contract if they're going to rotate guys? Um, kind of the way you were sort of mentioning uh, on that defensive line. Garrett Wilson, 600 yards. I do think he could go over it. I think that's pretty spot on first um, season for him. I, I could see it right around that number. Brees Hall, I do think definitely goes over 700 yards. I think he's going to be maybe not the bell cow, but I think he'll get like 70% of the touches. Um, and if you have 17 games, I think you're just bound to hit that number. Uh, Greenbean, your thoughts on all these over-unders. Uh, well, let's see. I think if let's assume for a minute, let's just go with this. Let's say that we stay healthy. So we actually show up to the games with the team that we built. Let's imagine that for a minute. Wow. What happens, a crazy reality. Right. Wouldn't that be insanity? If we actually made it to week one with the guys we brought in. Uh, so let's say that happens. I think that sincerely like if carl lawson's playing jermaine johnson everybody's there i think sauce gardner could have over you know i think um his rookie year i think he's going to be tested a lot uh that's what happens to rookies so i think he's going to be tested and i think that he can come away with three or four interceptions in in that instance especially if the pass rush is actually you know chasing the quarterback around a little bit so if he's just a little bit off his 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 mark I think Sauce can feast, and I think three or four would be good. Uh, Wilson, 600 yards. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see how they want to break this offense up. I mean, is Elijah Moore going to be a focal point? Is Wilson going to be a focal point? Are neither one going to be a focal point? Is kind of spread all over the place because I see them uh, adding the tight ends and all that. Uh, I think 600. I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think that's right in the pocket. A little lower, a little less. If I had to pick an over, I would just say over, because uh, why not? 601, you know, 605, something like that. But um, Hall rushing for 700, this is the one I feel more confident with. I think Brees Hall is going to have 1,000 yards this year. Um, it's only like 60 yards a game. So I think, or whatever it is, you guys can do the math, but it's not even 100 yards a game. So I think that he's going to be able to do that because, again, the offensive line revamping, adding the tight ends for extra uh, blocking. And uh, I think Brees Hall is the best running back that we've brought in here, at least prospect-wise, uh, since, I mean, since Curtis Martin, honestly. So uh, I think 1,000 yards. So I'm, I'm going to say over on that. So, yeah, I guess I said over on all of it. Oh, Jermaine Johnson? Yeah, fuck it. Over. 10 sacks <laughs> since love i'm it. already here you know <laughs> love it when in rome Why not? uh king jet dropping in great avatar by the way joe douglas with the uh the blunt in his mouth and the chain uh he goes what's up guys was just thinking what exactly is belichick's beef with us thank god uh thanks and go jets so green bean uh you're a little bit older than Richie and I. I. The Belichick thing happened when I was about eight or nine years old. I didn't have a full grasp on it. My understanding is that we wanted to push Belichick uh, off until Parcells retired. And then when the ownership changed, Belichick said, yo, I'm out. 
Um, am I wrong in that? Or Green Bean, can you uh, shed a little light on why Belichick hates us so much? Well, I mean, so the the whole story was, if you guys remember, B- uh, Bill Belichick was actually our head coach twice, right? So when we were courting Parcells, there was a lot of like legal mumbo jumbo in the in the middle of that. So we hired Bill Belichick as our head coach. And then when Bill Parcells got hired, we moved him to defensive coordinator and um, and made Parcells the coach with the assumption that he would be the head coach when Bill Parcells retired. Bill Parcells retired suddenly um, as far as, you know, from head coaching. And he, he just assumed that Bill Belichick would want the head coaching job, which I think he would have if the Patriots didn't offer that to him. But here's the thing. If Bill Belichick did well with that team, he wasn't going to get the credit for it. It was all going to be Bill Belichick just took Parcells' uh, dominant roster and and did well with it. If the team collapsed and he he sucked, it was going to be Belichick ruined the great roster that Parcells uh, built. So he kind of had a lose-lose situation. And, And don't forget, even though he was the head coach, Bill Parcells went up to be the president of football operations. So he would have still had Bill Parcells as this kind of, uh, as the boss, you know, Bill Belichick would have just been the, the on the field coach. And, you know, Parcells was still going to be controlling and all that. So I think what it boils down to is that he wanted to prove that he could, that he was something without Bill Parcells. He had never won anything by himself. So all of his accolades and everything was while he was under Bill Parcells. So he wanted that. And then we took a first and a third round pick from them when they, uh, the Patriots hired him. Uh, so I think there's just a lot of that stuff. And then there was always that divisional, uh, you know, uh, back and forth with the, it was really intense for a few years there. We had the Bill Parcells regime. They had the Bill Belichick. He took half of our coaches. Then we went and took, uh, Eric Mangini from them. So it was, uh, there was a lot of years of like really tit for tat and we hung with them for a lot of that time. And then obviously they got the better of us, uh, for the last fucking 15 years or something. But, um, yeah, I think that's what it was. It was an, it, it's an interesting lineage of scenarios that could definitely cause him to want to stick it up our ass, you know? Oh, well, he's just a big old jerk and I hope he doesn't win another game. Um, yeah. Sorless comes in celebrating 17 months of membership. Thank you, dude. Uh, he says Becton's a man on a mission, all pro season incoming. Yeah. Do you guys see this? Becton is expected to report to mandatory mini camp. Oh my uh, God just had his first kid and everyone knows it and they're just like hey we're not concerned but you get the little bit of i don't want to say jabs but you hear robert sal going oh yeah you know we'd love to have Makai here but you know he's doing whatever and i the media is always trying to twist stuff around but it's nice to kind of hear he's coming back into camp i think this guy's gonna be a man on a mission with a massive chip on his shoulder richie how you feeling about becton coming back Becton is healthy and playing on the field. He's going to remind everybody why he is one of the best young offensive tackles in the NFL. People are so quick to just react to him injured last year and forget the talent that this man truly is. I mean, his rookie season was phenomenal. Was it perfect? No. Did he have some mistakes? Yes. Does every rookie offensive tackle have mistakes? Yes. You're not. He went up against Aaron Donald. I'll never forget this play at the goal line against the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles. Aaron Donald, that man, just got that big-time extension today. On a run play, Mekhi Becton absolutely took Aaron Donald to, 
I don't think he took him to the ground, but he anchored him to the point where he opened up a hole for a touchdown. He also went up against Joey Bosa and did a great job. He also went up against Nick Bosa and did a great job in his rookie season. There's there's so much film out there in his rookie season where you're like, wow, he could be legit. The only thing that's going to hold Makai Becton back is the obvious, which is the injuries. So I'm happy to hear that he's going to be at mandatory minicamp because that is important. You know, it's mandatory. It's not important if he misses, you know, these OTAs that he's missing because those are voluntary. He doesn't have to be there. Not all players are there. He obviously is getting the birth of his first child. That's way more important. So I'm just really excited for Makai Becton to come and prove all these doubters wrong and remind the NFL, remind Jets fans, and remind the coaching staff of who Makai Becton truly is. I just hope that he's in uh, great shape and his mind's in the right place because when he's healthy and on the field, this offensive line can go to an absolutely another dimension that Jets fans probably can't even visualize if this whole O-line as a whole is healthy. Greenbean, your thoughts on Becton coming back? Yeah, I mean, imagine that. It's just so funny that this is such big news. I mean, he didn't come to voluntaries because he had a kid and he's in rehab and he's going to show up at mandatory. Seems seems fine uh, to me. But the interesting thing is we talk about Makai Becton so much. If you listen to the pressers, every time Robert Sala or Joe Douglas is in a press conference, one reporter asks about Makai Becton every single time every single time so he makes these stories because you know whatever his motives are but in truth and i talked about this the other day uh a lot of people i i asked twitter yesterday did does everybody know that george fant is also not at otas like so we've been talking about beckton the whole time george fant is not at otas either so why haven't we talked about him in the same way? Well, because we have all these concerns about Makai Becton. But what are they? He's heavy. Well, we already rebutted that. He had a, you know, the, his trainer debunked all that and gave videos and everything and said, well, he's not 400 pounds. That's a bunch of horse shit. So we've done this this whole time, but they keep putting out these stories about him. And he didn't show up to OTAs. And there were numerous legitimate reasons. Another guy didn't show up to OTAs because he had the birth of a kid, and that's Connor McGovern. It was, oh, yeah, fine, and we moved right on. So McGovern and Fant also weren't there, but we're, all we're talking about is Mekhi Becton. I'm with Richie. I think when Mekhi Becton comes back, uh, he was if he just plays anything like his rookie career, and why wouldn't he? He's 22 years old, guys. He's not 30. He's not at the end of his career. He's 22 years old. So it's just, it's a funny thing. Like we're giving up on this kid. Anybody who's, who's given up on him, I know exactly who you read. I know exactly where you get your information. 99% of it is bullshit. And I see a comment saying he blew up to 400 pounds. He didn't blew him up, up to 400 pounds. That was a rumor and it was debunked. He did not balloon to over 400 pounds. The only, if you look at now, people are going to go and find a source article that talks about his nutritionist saying that he's back in 300 pounds. That's the same guy writing that article. He's always the source for this shit. 99% of it's bullshit. He was injured last year. He took longer to come back. It sucks. The Jets probably shouldn't have said four to eight weeks. Um, you know, who knows? I, who knows the reasons for it? But he's going to come back. You know, he's at mandatory camp, just like I knew he would be. 
And uh, there's really nothing to see here. It's just a bunch of people making smoke where there's no fire. And uh, I think Mackay Becton's going to be dominant this year. Thomas Cahill says, if Becton even relives his rookie season, both our running backs will have a thousand yards. That is aggressive, but I love it. That's what I want to hear. I do think Hall gets over a thousand. I think Carter, I don't know. I think Carter winds up somewhere around like the 500 yards rushing and maybe like 300 or 400 yards receiving. Like, I I don't think he's going to be quite as close to the thousand as uh, maybe some other people might think. Richie, you think Carter's going to get close to that thousand yard mark? I actually do. Um, I feel like people are forgetting about Michael Carter just because of the brand new shiny toy we got in Brees Hall. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that because Brees Hall is that good of a prospect. The Jets have never really drafted a player um, at the running back position that is known to be universally the best player in his position in the draft where he has all these records and he's supposed to be a bell cow, but now he's going to be splitting the backfield. Like what Michael Carter did last year was phenomenal to the point where there's so many opportunities for him to have a breakout game, but he got hurt. There were so many times for him to have a really good statistical season, but he got hurt. So hypothetically speaking, if Michael Carter plays all 17 games or say 15 plus games, I think he can get 700, 800 rushing yards. Maybe not that 1,000 yards rushing. I think Hall's going to surpass him in that. But the only thing that's going to hold Michael Carter back is injuries because don't get it twisted. Last year, the Jets weren't handing the ball off to one running back every single time. Michael Carter was part of a committee. He's going to be part of a committee again. And I genuinely believe if Carter was healthy last year, he'd be putting up numbers where we're like, wow, this is our running back one. This is our guy for the future. But what the Jets are doing with this offensive system is they don't want to put all the burden on one guy in that group. They want to split the carries, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's going to have fresh legs. Brees Hall and Michael Carter and even Tevin Coleman and all the guys underneath them are going to get their share. Michael Carter is a talent where if you give him 10 to 15 carries per game, I can see him having a really good season. The only thing that's going to hold him back is injuries because that's the only thing that really held him back as, as, his rookie, as a rookie season. Greenbee, what about you? How are you feeling about the 1,000-yard running backs in our backfield? Yeah, I think that if one's going to get it, I, I do think it'll be Brees Hall. But it's funny, Michael Carter's interview this week, he talked about touches. You know, he said it's not necessarily about carries, it's about touches. So I think what that means is both running backs are going to be given a, a, a nice hefty workload in the passing game. And the good news is, is both of them can actually pass protect so that's when you start to be able to do things uh, to fool the defense. When you bring a guy on and you know he can't pass protect, you know, or you know he's going to run the ball or he can't do this or that, it takes away some of the play flexibility. So I think both of these guys are going to be, you know, really a, a big part of the offense. But I think Brees Hall is probably going to end up being 1A to Michael Carter's 1B. And that's no shot at Carter. I love him. I think the Jets love him. And he's going to be a uh, a big part of the offense, but I think if uh, if one of them's getting a thousand yards, my feeling is that it more than likely would be Brees first. Tony Lee. Tony Lee says, "What happens first? Thousand yards receiving, or thousand yards rushing, or double digit sacks? And which player does it? It's going to be a thousand yards rushing, and it's going to be with Brees Hall. I do think we can get the thousand yards receiving, but I do think you're going to see." 
this offense run through the tight ends, which I don't think either one of those tight ends are going to get a thousand yards. And I do think we're going to run the ball a lot, which is going to take away a few of the opportunities for the wide receivers as well. Um, that's not to say I don't see Elijah Moore getting that thousand yards or anything like that, but I just, I see the running game and how they wanted to implement this offense last year. So I, I do think the rushing yards is more likely than the receiving yards. And then as far as double digit sacks go, we talked about it very briefly with the uh, Jermaine Johnson and the depth of this defensive line and how we like to rotate guys through and keep guys fresh. Uh, you know, if you play, what is it, 60 defensive snaps in a game, you're probably talking about your best players playing like 30 or so uh, in this rotation, which takes away some of that firepower and some of that sack potential uh, to get double-digit sacks. So I don't know if we're going to get a double-digit sack guy this year. Um, so for me, it's the 1,000 yards rushing. Richie, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's um, a toss-up because, like you said, Ryan, the, this offense is going to be all about running the ball. It's going to be ground to pound, um, and Brees Hall is going to be that guy that I think is 100% getting 1,000 yards, bearing any injury. He's just that good of a talent. He's going to have probably three or four times this season where he breaks free on a 70-yard rush, and that's how those you know running backs around the league – you know, get those yards enough to they can get to that thousand yard uh, benchmark. So I think it's very likely that Halls gets to that mark. But I also feel like Elijah Moore is going crazy this year. Like I really genuinely believe that Elijah Moore is going to be that first star on this offense where he's just an established star. Like we have a lot of potential stars on this offense, like with Elijah Moore, with uh, Brees Hall, obviously Zach Wilson. We're hoping is a potential star. Um, there's a lot of potential stars, but there's not that official one yet where. Everyone around the league looks at the uh, Jets and say, wow, that player is a superstar potentially, and he is established. So I think this is the year where Elijah Moore takes over the league, and he really looks like that player where everyone else that's outside of just Jets fans that's falling in love with Elijah Moore looks at him as, wow, I want him on my fantasy team. I might want to get his jersey. Yeah. He's awesome. I absolutely love him. So I feel like Elijah Moore is going to get that 1,000-yard receiving mark uh, before anybody else gets it with 1,000 yards rushing or 10-digit sack. Ooh, Green Bean, uh, your thoughts. What happens first? 1,000 uh, yards receiving, 1,000 yards rushing, or double-digit sacks? I think it's going to be rushing as well, Ryan, but I really got excited for a second there when Richie was talking about Elijah Moore because I think he's got that capability as well. I mean, you heard DJ Reed uh, this week. He came out and said, Elijah Moore is legit. He's for real. Um, he said that he does some things that wide receivers don't traditionally do. He's kind of unorthodox in how he, uh, you know, goes into his breaks and such. Uh, he said, I have, I think the way he said it was, I have some learning to do in order to cover him. And that's really interesting. So Elijah Moore, second year in the system, you know, second year with Zach, just all that stuff. I think he could be ready to pop. Um, I, again, he's another one. He's got to stay healthy. He had three injuries last year, so that's a little unnerving. Um, but yeah, I still think it's going to be rushing. That'll break a thousand yards first, but man, am I excited for Elijah Moore? Uh, the Jet Show. Superstar. What's up, guy? He says, Ryan, how did your bathroom turn out? Uh, I'll show you. I got some before and after pictures, so I finally finished it. Let's see. So this is the before, and that. Uh, come on, that's the after. Nah, it doesn't really look good, but that's the after. Yeah, you can see it. Nice. Oh, that's good. Nice. Bam. Go to the that way. Did that all yourself? Whoops. Did it all myself. They, they told me wow. it was going to be like $26,000. I said, go pound sand. <laughs> I was like, I'm not yeah. going to pay $26,000 for a fucking bathroom. 
No. So I was like, you know what? I'm handy enough. It's going to take me from friggin' January until the end of May to complete it. But, you know, I can screw stuff up and then wind up paying someone to fix my mistakes way cheaper than, you know, $26,000. How so, much do you charge if I want you to come to my place? Right. <laughs> not doing it. <laughs> I, I hate tile, dude. Tile was brutal. If, if I redid, if I did another bathroom like that, it would probably take me half the time that it took me this time. Cause I have the tools. I kind of know what I have to do with different stuff. Um, dude, tiling sucked. I had, so we did everything in that bathroom for right around $5,000, uh, all in and $1,400 of that total was getting a plumber in to move the copper pipes from, you know, it was straight up and down from like tub drain to shower head. But the new tub I put in was slightly smaller than the other one. So it was like a half inch off. So if you're standing in the tub and you're looking at that line, it wouldn't quite be straight. And I was like, I could get it close. And I was like, uh, if I do that, I'm going to hate it the rest of the time it's there. So I was like, let me just do this the right, right. way. Uh, bring good in for professional. you. So that kind of sucked. But overall, not too bad. Um, nice. Nice. That's Jeff awesome. Show also says Broadway Joe good or Gino Smith bad. Congrats on the baby. Um, I would say my bathroom winds up being somewhere in the Chad Pennington can win you a lot of games. Um, you may not be able to win a Super Bowl with him, but you're very happy that he was your franchise quarterback for like ten years or whatever that was. So that that's that. My bathroom is the Chad Pennington of bathrooms for this. Uh, house <laughs> i guess nice. I like it. uh what else did we see i saw something else in here edward ziff says becton will be seething raging or will be a seething raging beast he's gonna be so mad i can't wait to see him come out and just ragdoll guys like richie mentioned it earlier the two bosa brothers donald absolutely yeah. awesome to watch these guys like get manhandled by our young offensive linemen I know, dude. Jets fans should be. I don't understand why we're not supportive of a 22-year-old kid who already went out there and dominated some of the best pass rushing guys, defensive linemen in the entire NFL, his rookie season. Like, why aren't we supportive? Why are we all kind of, you know, spinning it negatively? And it's like he's 22. Like, I, I don't know. It doesn't compute to me. I still can't understand it. Like, and we should all be happy he's coming back. We should support him. He's working his ass off. He just had a kid. Like, we should be happy for this guy. And we're all kind of, it's weird, man. I, I just don't understand it. But I hope, I hope to, you know, I just hope he stays healthy and can play. Because if he does, he's going to be, a, he's going to be a monster for us. Dude, the, the whole wow factor of what this guy could really be to this team, like, he had best tackle in the league potential coming out that year. And we got to yeah. see that little glimpse of it. And it was really nice to see the other teams looking at Beckton and being like, he's going to be good. He's going to be good. And watching last year with the injury, it's like, Oh, come on. We wanted to see that next step. So maybe we get to see that turn and like oh. really dominant style this year. I was at the game in Charlotte when that, when he got hurt in week one, I was actually Ugh. wearing my Makai Becton jersey that I own, which I'm looking at right now over there. And if you guys remember the play he got injured on, it was Zach Wilson's first career touchdown pass. I'll never forget. And if you guys also remember that game, it was a rough first half. 
And it's oh, yeah. Zach Wilson's debut. Offense is not doing anything. Zach Wilson's looking not not that good in his first game of his life. And I'm sitting there, you know, in uh, the Panthers' territory. And when Zach Wilson threw that touchdown pass, I'm just letting it all out, screaming like like I'm a madman. You guys, if, if you watch my live streams during games, you see my reactions, you know I get really <laughs> over the top sometimes. So I'm going wi wild, and I'm wearing my Becton jersey, and a Panthers fan taps me on the back. He's like, yo, your boy's down. Like in the middle of me celebrating a touchdown uh, with my dad. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? And at first, I thought he meant Zach. I was like, what? What are you talking about? But he's like, big fella, your jersey, Beckton, he's down. And I'm like, no, you're kidding. And I look and I see him on the on the turf. And then I watched him getting carted off right in front of me. And I was like, was like, yeah, like Zach, touchdown to like, no, Makai. I know. Please, I know. That That's <laughs> the worst when you get those like wow plays and it's like, ooh, but was it <laughs> worth the touchdown when you lose your left tackle? Like that. It happens Greg, to us like, oh, glad not to have him uh, rolling up anyone's <laughs> legs anymore. God, that gets me pissed. Thomas Cahill him. says, if all are healthy, it equals playoffs guaranteed. Richie, Woo! what do you think? You think if we stay healthy, you think this is a playoff team? I do. I don't think it's guaranteed, though. Um, we also have to take in consideration the AFC that we're playing, uh, the conference, which is the AFC. It's stacked. Like, it's going to be really hard to squeak into that top seven. Um, the only way the Jets make the playoffs this year is if they go into the bye four and five minimum. Um, getting getting four wins out of those first nine games is pivotal, which is going to be really hard. Um, that first nine games is a gauntlet uh, for this Jets team. It's a big test. So crazy. I, because the the back end of the schedule is easy to the point where if we get hot at the right time and we didn't you know start off the season one and seven or something to the point where the the season's over before it began, then um you never know because if we stay healthy, which is like such a crazy concept, like like Greenby was talking about it before, <laughs> like I can't even imagine like all these teams that just go to the playoffs. I, I always think about it every single year. Like damn, like I can't even imagine the Jets being first of all, healthy to play in the playoffs. Because even think about this, guys. Last year, the Jets obviously were out of the playoffs by December, but we were so injured to the point where even if we were a playoff team, how was it? How would it even happen? Our top two receivers are down, our running backs down, offensive lines all banged up, defense is like 10-string safety. Like, it's like ridiculous. Like, let's see health. Let's see a healthy team where a couple injuries happens week after week. There's one or two season-ending injuries, but it's not – to the key pieces on this team, if we're all healthy, I think that we are a eight win, eight to plus eight plus one team if it all goes smooth. And Zach Wilson obviously taking a step is a big factor there. Greenbean, what Dude, do you we think? Had, we if had three Achilles injuries last year. Uh, you know what I mean? What the hell is that? Oh, I'll never forget the day of Lawson's injury. That's another. Oh, dude, pop right uh, here. All the air out of our balloon. I was sitting, really did. Every day it was like Lawson's a star. Like we're seeing it all over the place. I'm like, mm -hmm. dude, this guy's gonna get 20 sacks. Like this is crazy. And I'm like hyping him up to everybody. And then that dude, I'll never forget. I was depressed. And my buddy, who's like not into sports, but he knows I'm into sports. He sees me like so upset. I'm like, dude, what's wrong? It's like, dude, you don't get it. Like this dude on the Jets, like Carl Lawson. He was a free agent signing. He was supposed to go off. He's he's done for the season. Like you don't get it. He's like, dude, like come on. I'm like, you don't get it. <laughs> we you don't get had it anyone like this in 15 years. <laughs> this is the guy. This is serious. Yeah. 
we finally went out and got an edge rusher and he gets hurt before the damn season starts. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that was gut-wrenching, that one. And in a practice, no less. Yeah, and then you Scary. see Vinny Curry get knocked out and it's like, oh, yeah. man, that whole edge rush that was like the focal point of this defense that we were all amped up on. Yep, just it was gone. Disappeared. <laughs> Real quick, yep. I was like, well, we don't really have the corners, so if we're not getting pressure, you know, it's kind of... And then we got to see it. You got to see everything kind of unfold and the defense was, uh, you know, easy pass and just in not... trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were in a world of hurt last year. So getting yeah, him back is going to be huge. Carl Lawson coming back and Makai Becton coming back are easily the two biggest uh, potential turning points for us, I think. The crazy totally. thing about that is those like players, I'll never forget like tweeting about them, like hyping them up like this. These are the two core pieces of the trenches on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Like it's Carl Lawson and Makai Becton as the two guys on both sides of the ball. And they're, they both didn't play one full game of the season. Like that's just right. – it makes you want to like go – like like to think about that. Like that's just so unfortunate. Yeah, man. And then like week one, we lost our starting safety. We lost, you know, their their free agent linebacker, Jared Davis. Then we lost uh, Jamie and Sherwood in, in game one. He came back for a couple games, but then he he tore his Achilles. A few games later, we lost Marcus May for the season. It was unbelievable. You know, it's like if we could just remain healthy. Now, the good news is we know that Joe Douglas tore up and gutted the entire medical system, right? Uh, last year, that department was, they were rookies too. So they needed, you know, they, you, you got to give them a minute to install all of their philosophies and all that. But the, the first dividend that we're seeing is Zach Wilson came back, um, looking bigger, stronger, ripped. Uh, and he said it was mainly because of the change in nutrition that our, our new nutritionist, Nikki, uh, had you know the the protocol that they had him on, so maybe just maybe guys, if this new medical program starts to take effect, maybe we will start to see an increase in guys making it through you know through the whole season, and maybe this is over, man. Maybe we're on the other side, and we actually see our team go into week one at a hundred percent. Yeah, I feel like we used to be a team, you know, early, uh, like, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011. We were a team that really, for the most part, didn't get hurt. We had all our main guys because we were top heavy in those years. We didn't really have much depth uh, across the roster. So to see, you know, all the injuries stacking up the last few years, especially when we don't have depth and we don't really have the top end players, like we were hoping, you know, mid-round guys are going to wind up being uh, contributors and, and, and key players on this team. So I think if we can overcome those injuries, I think this team is is going to be surprising a lot more people than we already believe they they possibly could be. Uh, Fat Gandalf says, I can't wait for Becton's first time with the beat. That's oh, going to be a lot of fun to watch. And we might have to do like an actual like, you know, hey, let's let's stream the press conference and watch it happen and react to it as it happens, because I, I'm curious to see if Becton like takes any shots and like, because he changed his name to the Big Bust or whatever, and like, you know, all that stuff. He's clearly um, he's also called him out on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, he definitely has. Yeah, I, I like him going after Samini and that sort of stuff. Like, it's I think there's a there's a massive chip on his shoulder this year, massive chip, and 
the ability to prove people wrong. He's going to have a fired up. Like I could see Becton having one of those press conferences, almost like the Kirk cousins walking through the tunnel. You like that? You like that? <laughs> and that'll be like Becton this year. Uh, Richie, how do you think he handles the beat the first time he comes out? Dan, that's going to be very interesting because we know the questions are going to be fired at him. We're going to be ruthless. Um, so it's going to be a really big testament for his character and how you know he um, is going to handle himself. I'm sure he's going to be well well prepared uh, because he knows that he is a big topic of this offseason. Uh, he's on Twitter. He's on social media. He's not dumb. He knows that his name is being talked about a lot by us right now and by everybody. Um, so I feel like it's going to be, you know, he's a, he's a good personality. He's a bubbly guy. He, he has a good relationship with the beat already um, in terms of just knowing how to handle them. So I think he's going to, you know, be um, sarcastic in a way where takes his little jabs at the beat that he remembers who said what, and mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, um, I, I, one thing I don't want him to do is like, you know, cause he still has to prove that he can do something this year, which, um, I think he will. I don't want him to go out there and be like an arrogant, like overly confident type of energy. I kind of want him to be a guy that's humble and like type, not say this with his words, but just have his presence feel like he, he knows that he has a lot to prove. He he's confident in himself to prove all of his doubters wrong. And he's going to do that by going on the field and dominating. Greenby, what about you? How do you think Becton handles his first time with the beat? Something else that we forget about Becton is, is he's actually the Joker. You know what I mean? Like, he's a funny guy. He's he's yeah. very lighthearted. He's very personable. And I think it, he's got to be careful because they're going to try to get under his skin. You know, we already saw, like you guys were just saying, like he he has responded on Twitter and, and all that kind of stuff. Um I think he's just got to be uh, his normal self, you know, and because they're gonna they're gonna go after him, especially uh, Dick Chimney. He's he's going to go after him. So uh, I hope that maybe they prep him a little bit because you know it's easy when you're an emotional person to get sucked into stuff like that. But I think Becton's gonna ultimately be fine. I mean, he's a funny guy. He's very likable, and I think a lot of Jets fans forget that about him. We haven't really heard him talk. In a, in a while, and obviously with the injury and everything, but um, I think he'll ultimately be fine. Yeah, the beat does a really, um, I shouldn't say a good job, but they do a, they're a consistent or persistent type of entity that really tries to get you to say the wrong things, to create a story, to like catch you in the, ah, oh, I gotcha, you know, kind of moment. And if you're a really emotional guy, it's something that could catch you off guard. So I think there's going to be a little bit of like, I don't want to say kid gloves, but you kind of like sort of position Makai in such a way that he doesn't accidentally, um, you know, say those things. I think they'll coach him up maybe a little bit in that respect. Uh, just like, hey, look, they're like Greenman said, they're going to try and get under your skin. They're going to try and get that reaction. You know, you gave up two sacks. You haven't played in, you know, a year in the first game. And now all of a sudden, you know, oh, is Makai backed in a bus? You're going to see it on the back page of the paper and all that different stuff. Hopefully he just comes out and dominates right, right away and just shuts people up. But if he has a sack, similarly to how we kind of talked about uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, if he didn't get a sack early in the in the season, that beat is going to get under your skin. They're going to start asking you difficult questions, and they're going to try and get you to yep. slip up. And it's I don't want to see it happen. Um, but I think Becton, in his now going into his third year here, I think he's kind of 
started to figure out just how this New York media kind of ticks. Um, or at least that's the hope. Yeah. Uh, well, if you look at like a lot of jets, like they, you know, Bryce Hall, uh, CJ Mosley, like they all kind of, they seem very prepped to me. Like they, they don't get caught throwing each other under the bus. Like they ask questions like, you know, what positions do you think they, the Jets should focus on in the off season? And they, they all answer it like in the same way to me, it seems like the New York Jets have a very um, accurate finger on who the New York beat is. Mm. And they, they all kind of know how to handle it because we have seen zero drama except what they've created. Uh, We haven't seen anything. Um, so I think that they're going to spend a minute with Becton and just remind him, like, don't let these guys get under your skin, man. They're going to try to knock you off your box. And uh, I hope that he handles it. Jay-Z Jets fan uh, says, if Becton comes back and dominates, plays left side, do you think Fant passes on an extension because he will be on the right side? I think Fant does not get his extension unless Becton gets hurt. I think regardless of what happens this season, Fant is going to get franchise tagged. I don't think we have another player on our roster that we're really kind of eyeing the same way we are with him. And because he's had the one good year at the tackle position, um, I think they're going to say, hey, prove it. Um, Also, the age kind of comes into play. And then you, you at least lock in your same tackles that you've had the entire career that Zach Wilson had rather than trying to, to force a replacement. I do think they try to see what they have in Max Mitchell at some point. Yeah. And if there's a situation where they think he's ready, maybe they decide not to franchise Fant. but I would be surprised if they did not franchise tag Fant at the end of this season. Uh, Richie, what are your thoughts about the Becton Fant situation and how Fant might handle his contract and how the jets may handle it? Yeah, I honestly would love George Fant to be extended because people forget he's 29 years old. Um, and that's not, you know, like, you know, Makai, he just turned 23 in April. George Fant, he's 29, going to be 30. And he hasn't played a lot of tackle in this league. He kind of still raw, if that makes any sense, as a veteran. And what he did last year at that left tackle position for the New York Jets was so huge for Zach Wilson's development as a young quarterback because George Fant excelled in pass protection. And what your left tackle, what the left tackle's job is supposed to be is to protect the blind side. You can sacrifice a left tackle not being as dominant in the run game if he is elite in the pass protection, which which is exactly what George Fant did. So if if Joe Douglas feels like George Fant um, checks out medically because a big reason why he's not at OTAs right now is because he is dealing with the knee issue that he got injured at the end of the season last year. He's rehabbing still. Um, so if that all checks out, um, I would love to give him an extension. And we have our two tackles for the long term, Mekhi Becton and George Fant. It's not like George Fant's 29 years old and he's played like eight years and he has a lot of wear and tear in his body. I feel like George Fant still got a lot of room left in the tank, and I'd absolutely love uh, Mekhi Becton and George Fant to both be the tackles for the foreseeable future. Greenby, what about you? How do you think the Jets handle fans' contract situation, and what do you think uh, happens at the end of the year? Yeah, I th- I actually agree with Richie. Uh, not that what you're saying, Ryan, can't can't happen. You know, get him till he's 31 and see where he is. You know, like you technically speaking, you for lack of a better term, you own him with the franchise tag for a couple more years rather than committing to him. Um, but I, I think that it would really be beneficial if we could keep our offensive line together, the same faces, like every single year 
we have had to shuffle at least one or two of the positions every single year. You know, the line that we had three years ago is completely different than what's here now. And I think that if if uh, Becton and Fant, whatever side they're on, I tend to believe that Becton is the better of the two. So if he's healthy, he's going to win the left tackle job. But even if they put him at the right side, it is what it is. I could care less. Um, so if if you have those two guys as your bookends and ABT, Lake and Tomlinson, Connor McGovern, if they're able to be together for two, three, five years, I think that would really be more beneficial than kind of how, you know, saving two, three, four million dollars. So I think they're going to try to see if that's possible. Now, the original question, if Fant goes to the right side, you think that he'll refuse the extension? That's when I think, Ryan, what you said is going to apply. Uh, they'll just franchise him. If if he's playing well over there, and I don't know if Fant's, I, I don't know. I mean, he never really even started at either tackle job before the Jets gave him that shot. We gave him a starting tackle money before anybody in the, in the league would. Don't forget, Joe Douglas was ridiculed for that signing. He was ridiculed. It was called a desperation move after we lost out on Jack Conklin and George Fant has made good. So there might be some, you know, some positive vibes between the two. And I don't think Fant um, would be too bothered by it. I don't know the man, of course, but he's all all signs and all reports are that is that he's a very team oriented leader type. So I think uh, if these guys play well together, the Jets will try to keep them together. And I don't think Fant will have too much of a problem with it as long as he's starting. Yeah, I'd love to see. I I think there's, I don't know. I would love to see Fant get that three-year extension. And you know what? I, I wouldn't even be shocked if Fant played left tackle and Beckton wound up playing right tackle this year. But I just kind of get the feeling that that's kind of where this is going to wind up heading. Uh, if I were Fant, I'd want top money. Uh, as well because you're you're getting to the, the later part of your career or at least right. the, the, the back nine of your career um but you, you brought up an interesting point green bean and the the shuffling of players that we've had over the last few years and Connor mcgovern his contract's up at the end of this season and it seemed like the jets were kind of playing with the idea of of moving on from him. you saw him, the jets were interested in ryan jensen they were interested in bradley bozeman they had worked out uh, Tyler Linderbaum. They tried Zion Do Zion Johnson, the Boston College guard, out at center at the Senior Bowl. So I think there's definitely um, gonna be some shuffling after this year. I don't think McGovern's on this team beyond this season. Um, I would be kind of surprised by it. Do you think there? Do you think McGovern is here further than this year, Greenbean, or do you think this might be his last season with us? Uh, well, you know what? The truth is, I don't know. I mean, the Ryan Jensen stuff and all that, that was rumored. I mean, our beat doesn't get very much right as far as who we're going to sign and all that sort of stuff. And it was rumored. I don't know how much they really wanted to look into it. They did work out some centers in the, you know, in the draft process. Uh, but I think that could, that could be chalked down to due diligence. Uh, that all said, I, I actually thought that they might want to bolster that and get the guy in-house to at least replace him but if i had to bet i would say that mcgovern's probably gonna i think they might move on from him but if he plays really well this year same same thing would apply like just extend them just extend them and keep your line together um but i i don't know i i tend to go back and forth with it uh and this will be his second year in this system as well let's see how he plays and then, 
and then we'll go from there. Richie, what do you think? You think uh, McGovern is here beyond this year? Um, you know, it's funny because Connor McGovern is the worst player on the Jets offensive line, and he's not that bad. Like, he's not the greatest center in the world. I would say he's average. Um, and I would absolutely love the Jets to replace him for the long term. I feel like I would prefer the Jets to go out there and get a guy in the draft that we can really develop and be that long term solution. But at the same time, if Connor McGovern is a guy that, you know, in year number two of the system, I really do feel like he fits the system well. Um, and he's a veteran that understands the the system and he connects well with both guards next to him in AVT and Lincoln Tomlinson and the offensive line really clicks and like everything stays healthy and the Jets are like top five in, in the run and like really good in the pass. Like, and if Connor McGovern's healthy all 17 games and he's the big reason why the offensive line is that good, then you definitely need to think about an extension and not wanting to replace him. But if you flip it around and you feel like Connor McGovern was definitely the weak link and he was a big reason why the Jets offensive line wasn't clicking and he was injured for some of the season, then yes, then, then you have to really have that conversation. I'm definitely uh, on the mindset of Connor McGovern is the one player on the offensive line I prefer to replace for the long haul. But at the same time, if he goes out there this year and plays his best football as a New York Jet, I got no issues of extending him because having a veteran at the center position is pivotal for a young quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in year two of the system. Boss Gardner comes in. Becton should just pretend defensive linemen are Rich Samini and he'll have a Hall of Fame career. Could you imagine if like, it's like the, oh, pretend the uh, the whole class is naked. That's the the mindset of the the left tackle coming in, tossing beat reporters. Could you imagine if he came out, that first interview, and they're like, how did you envision the playing field? What what did you really have to do? What got you going? Uh, yeah, well, I saw uh, Dick Chimney's face over there on that defensive end, and I just ragdolled him. Be a thing of beauty. I think he has a Hall of Fame career, uh, Green Bean, with, he, with the uh, – visualization of the beat on the opposite side of him. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, honestly, jokes aside, well, number one, I think that's a great, it's like a water boy, you know, Gatorade, you know, yep. that whole thing. <laughs> um, but I think that Becton has that kind of talent, man. Like he, he really does. And if we could keep him on the straight and narrow, which again, 22 years old, dude, um, I think that he can have a legitimate Hall of Fame career. You know, the weight was always going to be an issue. That's something. But they started talking about his injury risk the moment he was drafted. It started before he even played. So, and uh, and here we are. So, if he can come back, put this injury shit behind him. Don't forget, guys. I don't know if you remember. Marcus May got all the same stuff. He The first two years, he was an injury-prone guy. He sucks. We should move past him. Blah, blah, blah. And then he had two or three years where he wasn't injured at all, and people forgot all about it. So I think that uh, Becton's a talented dude, man. And whatever his motivations need to be, if he's got to put Semini's face on everybody, uh, have at it, man. And just do what you got to do to dominate so people can see what you really got. Travis celebrates five months of membership. Uh, we start 4-0, beat all the AFC North, playoffs yeah if we if we start 4-0 we're going to the playoffs there's no no doubt about it in my mind now the ravens game dude it's just that feels like the hardest of the three games because of what lamar jackson can be and if we are able to somehow contain him 
then I think the Jets do have a shot. If they can force him to throw and you take away the running aspect of that offense, you have a shot. The whole Browns thing week two, there's no way I see Deshaun Watson playing this season, and I don't think there's a shot in hell that Baker Mayfield steps foot on the field for the Browns. If I were him, I would not do that, and I think the Browns are going to be a not-so-good team. And I, I, Who's their backup? Is it Hundley or is it uh, – no, Brissett, right? Brissett's the Who? backup there? In for Cleveland. where? Yeah, Brissett. Huntley's in uh, Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. So they're going to run the ball. It's going to be Hunt and it's going to be um, Chubb. And they're going to try and win like that, along with their new high-paid tight end uh, in Najoku. Um, and then you go into week three and you have Cincinnati. We beat them last year, but I don't think we're going to catch them sleeping the same way we did last year. But, you know... The, the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. We've seen that happen with a lot of teams yeah. where they just can't quite get up. So if you can contain Lamar Jackson, you can beat uh, Jacoby Brissett, and you can maybe catch a, a hungover team in the Bengals from last year's Super Bowl. Then you go into week four and you have the Steelers, and Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, are either one of them better than last year's Ben Roethlisberger? I mean, that's a good team, but I don't think they're necessarily better um, this year than last year. So it doesn't seem likely that the Jets could go 4-0, but I can see a path. There's there's it like really the – I, I, I right. think it's a non-zero percent chance, put it that way. Rich, Correct. what are your thoughts on the, the first four games? Yeah, I mean, I can't believe reversing the AFC North to start off the entire season. It's pretty crazy. Um, I also – I'm seeing the chat go crazy about Green Bean bringing up Marcus May. And I just thought um, to, to tell you guys this quick little story real quick, if you don't mind. I actually met Marcus May recently um, and talked to him. And I see some people showing hate to, towards him. I didn't show him hate when I met him. I shook his hand and I was giving him a lot of respect because um, I personally love Marcus May. That I, Everything he brought, I don't know. I just really loved him on the Jets. And um, I was actually at a restaurant and – you wouldn't guess who was there with Marcus May, um, but it was pretty crazy. Who he was sitting with? Who was uh, he with, Richie? Are you going to tell us? Yeah, I forgot. I kind of dug myself into this one, didn't I? Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah, opening I, my mouth. You don't have to say it if you don't want to say it. I mean, I did say it on one of my streams already for the people that do watch my channel. But yeah, um, I was out to dinner, and he was sitting with Jamal Adams. And he was also sitting with Elijah Moore. Um, and I went up to them and talked to them. And uh, it was a crazy experience, first of all, speaking to these three players. Uh, Marcus May and Jamal Adams being former Jets. And that was actually the day I met Elijah Moore um, for the meet and greet earlier that day. So it was really crazy how that whole thing happened. Um, and if you want to hear the details of the story, um, I have a stream about it. So you, I don't want to you know, go go off about that story because it was really crazy. But um, I love Marcus May, so that's I, I, that's why I want to bring it up. But the question goes back to AFC North. Um, we're going four and zero, Ryan. We're going four and zero. Done. Now, in all seriousness, we got to at least go two and two to start off the season in the AFC North because I feel like opening day against the Baltimore Ravens is going to be tough because containing Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks, um, underrated rather. Um, and I feel like he is going to be dangerous. And the Jets have not really proved to be a team that can contain mobile quarterbacks. 
But that's why I went out there and got Jordan Whitehead because that's his job to absolutely destroy guys like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and all those dual threat quarterbacks. So that's going to be a really fun game. Uh, week one, we'll be seeing there. We'll be watching that together. And um, I feel like that's going to be pivotal. You got to beat the Browns with a potential backup quarterback. Um, that They're going to be trying to ground and pound the ball, like you said, Ryan, with Chubb and uh, Hunt. I feel like that's going to be a must win. And then the Cincinnati Bengals coming back to the MetLife Stadium. I made a joke uh, with Jack on my channel saying, I don't care if Zach Wilson starts off the season 2-0 and and has eight touchdowns and one interception the first two games. Mike White's got to start in week three against the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals at home. Yeah. Um, the only game he starts of the year, even if Zach is lighting it up, give Mike White the reins, wear, wear the stealth black jerseys at home at MetLife Stadium against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, no, that's obviously a joke, but um, Mike White, I love you. Uh, but then we uh, go against oh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And like you said, Ryan, the two quarterbacks don't scare me. I don't know who's going to be. It's either the rookie or it's Mitch Trubisky. The only thing I will say about the Pittsburgh Steelers game is their defense is legit. And that's the only way the Steelers are going to win that game is if they really shut down our offense. I think the only way we come away with a victory in that game on the road in Pittsburgh, if it's like a scrappy, like 19 to 16 victory, one of those games. Uh, we got Bronx Kid 23 become the newest member of the Jets Talk 24 7 family. Thank you, brother. Guys, members in the chat, drop some J-E-T-S in the chat for our newest member, Bronx Kid 23 Green Bean, I want to hear your thoughts. 4-0 beat all the AFC North teams, and we're making the playoffs. You think it's a possibility? Well, it's unlikely, right? But I think that, like you said, Ryan, I like the way you said it. There, There is a path to it, and there's legitimate reasons why. Now, we don't know what this team is going to be. I mean, Ravens fans, let me tell you. I live with one, right? My my wife is a Baltimorean, and she's a Ravens fan. Her family is Ravens fans, all that kind of stuff. So I, I live with this stuff. Um, and there is not one Baltimore fan on the planet that thinks they're going to lose. They have all written a W over this week's game. And uh, I think that the, the Ravens are a very well-coached team. Like, they're pros, right? They're not... They're not a slapdick organization. They're pros. That said, I still think even they can underestimate exactly how hard it is and how aggressive it is that we're going to come out. And if we can contain Lamar Jackson somewhat week one, don't forget, they were eight and nine last year. Uh, Lamar Jackson was hurt. They had injuries all over the place. They lost their defensive coordinator. They lost Hollywood Brown. So there's a lot of shaking and shuffling over there, too. And it might take them a minute to get things settled. If we come out and beat them, going into Cleveland, it's going to be a whole different experience. You know, if we lose to Baltimore, they're already going to be saying, is week two a must-win game for the New York Jets? They're going to be talking like that. You know it already. Mm -hmm. So if we beat Baltimore and we go in and play Jacoby Brissett and beat them, it's going to be a whole different season. And I think that we can do it, man. Like, you know, is it likely? Probably not. But, you know, look, the Pittsburgh Steelers are not the Pittsburgh Steelers that, that we've been facing the last, you know, 12, 15 years with Ben Roethlis, with Ben Roethlisberger. Cincinnati, like you said, they're a young team, man. We don't know what they're going to be. Super Bowl hangover and on and on and on. So there is reason to be hopeful. We don't know what Zach is. It, it all comes down to Zachy Poo and what we can do. If we are on to something, if we're healthy, 
I think we can beat them. And it would be a blast because the NFL tried to stick it to us. Even David Carr came out and said it. He said, dude, the NFL is clearly trying to stick it to the Jets here. And uh, I agree. And it would be great to stick it right why? back in their face. You know? My question is why? You I don't know, know. Don't you feel like the NFL would benefit the Jets being good? That's that's always my question with that. I think they love us. I mean, look, we don't, we're still just as passionate. They're not losing Jets fans. Mm -hmm. They're just as passionate. If they need somebody to suck and still make money, it's us. You know what I mean? Well, think about how triggered we get every time a beat reporter says something stupid or says like, you know, know, Stephen A. Smith goes on first take and he's jumping, you know, bouncing around saying like, oh yeah, the Jets, oh, I can't believe you would say that and blah, 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 blah. Like we get fired up, we're passionate. We're always there. We're there no matter what. They can rip on us and we're still going to come back for more pain. It's just kind of been our calling card. We love the abuse. That's not good. We're going to turn the I. It's funny because I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) It's been a long time. I'm tired. (laughs) I'm ready. I I agree with Richie too because like when you see a New York team in general in any sport do well, it just helps the rest of the league do well because we just have so many fans and such a major market. It it like always shocked me that there wasn't some like – if there was ever a time to rig – a situation where a team could get good, the Jets potentially landing like Trevor Lawrence or some kind of player like a Peyton Manning. Like those all felt like opportunities for it to happen. And uh, I don't know. It's spot on, right? Yeah. Like, like it can't be faked (laughs) because clearly it's just, we're, I don't know. We're, we're hamstrung. Like I'm not going to get into it too much, but I am a Knicks YouTuber as well. And as you guys know, Mm -hmm. there's a lottery in basketball and everyone Mm -hmm. always says the lottery's rigged. And the lottery doesn't benefit the Knicks. And the Knicks have never moved up in the lottery since 1985. And I always think to myself, if the lottery was rigged, why would they rig it against the Knicks, who is first in Forbes in the most valuable franchise in all of sports? Like the Knicks getting the first pick, the Knicks getting like a good player, the Knicks being good is only going to benefit the league. So like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Why is it rigged against the Knicks? It should be rigged for us. And that's the same exact token with the Jets. So mm-hmm. it gets me it gets me really pissed off getting into this conversation, to be honest. Because yeah. I've been suffering too long as a Jets, Mets, and Knicks fan. But how about the Mets? Right. Well, you know the thing is too, is like we're like I'm saying, like the Jets, Giants, Knicks, Rangers, we still sell out. You know what I mean? Like our, we 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 still make money. But can you imagine how insufferable really? Let's just be real. We, we it's only us in here. We're all friends. Can you imagine how insufferable we're going to be if we went on like a a dynasty type run? Oh, They're I'm going to be the NFL. most aggressively horrible fan. <laughs> I will be worse than fuck- any Patriot fan you have ever seen. Oh, I will, yeah. Oh, I'm going to let everyone know. It's they don't want it. They're scared of us. <laughs> I mean, if you look at Twitter, if you look at this fan base, and like, like even to like uh, some people that I meet, like for example, I went on a bachelor party for my uh, future brother-in-law, whatever, and all of his friends are from Boston. They all went to college in Boston. All Patriots fans, and I was getting to know them. They're like, "Oh, what do you do?" Like, "Oh yeah, I actually make content as for the Jets." He's like, "Oh, the Jets? Oh man, that sucks, dude." How do you have anyone watching your shows? Like, who cares about the Jets? Like, you know, that's like a Boston mindset. Like, someone growing up, like, just seeing the Jets mm-hmm. suck for so long. And it made me realize, like, damn, dude, like, like 
Ryan, your channel is exploding all the time. Like we have so many passionate Jets fans and we've sucked for 10 years straight, 10 plus years. Yeah. Like, like that's the craziest thing about this whole thing is like the, the fan base is so tight knit and we're so passionate and we're ready for it to finally turn around year after year. Expectations are through the roof every single offseason and it gets disappointed year after year. This year definitely feels a little different. I think we can all agree on that. What I'm trying to say is it's amazing that we have a fan base that doesn't just, you know, bandwagons and leaves. Like we're a passionate fan base. They have a thousands and thousands and 10,000 people on YouTube watching us talk Jets. There's people on Twitter that's rabid. Like it's so awesome that the Jets have been so terrible for so long. We still have such a great tight Nick, but at the same time, grand fan base. Yeah, right. Like I, we, we've talked about this like off the air, the three of us. And it's like, oh man, could you imagine like how these channels could take off if we actually had a halfway decent team? <laughs> And they've been awful for so long. You're not getting those new fans. Like I know, like the the last uh, let's call it 15 years when the Giants won, you know, two Super Bowls. You're looking at like young kids coming up. They're doing the salsa with like the cruise dance, and I'm just like, man, I want like the Jets to be good, and I want to see like I want to see young fans get into it. And you don't really get to see that when you stink so much. And clearly, I mean, when we go through the season, you get to like week six seven eight nine and you, the jets are losing and losing and you're like man i'm gonna just get absolutely exhausted you're still getting a few thousand views in your videos there's still people that are like hey i care about this this like it right. means a lot to me so like like the dedication we have as fans is unlike anything else i know i've talked to you guys about it before i've tried to find like a falcons youtuber to do a collab with i couldn't find anyone <laughs> like at all they were in the super bowl not that long ago and no one crickets across the YouTube landscape. It is wild. And I've, I've heard that for so many different um, people that the Jets YouTube community and the content creators, it's just like, and, and the fan base, like, first of all, we cannot do anything without all you guys in the chat, right? Like that, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. It's all like, you know, maybe a, there's no Falcons YouTubers because there's no fan base that cares enough to be live for every tuesday at eight to ten right like it, it's all collective it's a it's a fan base thing it's not like a the content creators that's good or mm -hmm. not it's more of the fan base that's pumping and watching and being supportive mm -hmm. and we're all in this together so we're, we're just in this all and like like i'll never forget opening day last year like week number mm -hmm. two the home opener like the the, the energy the chance like the, the waving the towels for the opener and like you know, when they're introducing all the players, like it was crazy. And like, we didn't expect anything crazy that season. Mm -hmm. Like, and then we all, of course, remember what happened during that game and the energy got sucked out. But what I'm trying to say is when we do turn this thing around and we become a sustainable franchise where like year in, year out, we're competitive, this fan base is going to just even explode because there's going to be a lot of bandwagons that's going to join this team when we are at the top because we're one of those teams that I think is going to be so likable to the point where there's going to be people like, oh, wow, the Jets have sucked for so long. They're good right now. That's awesome. I'm going to root for the Jets like as, as their secondary team. I really feel like they're, we're going to be that team that like people are like happy for us outside of Bills and Dolphins and Patriots fans. There's going to be a lot of fan bases that look at the Jets and are happy for us and happy for our success since we've sucked for so long, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And you, you look at like, you know, fan bases that kind of like what the San Francisco 49ers have done. And, you know, we're bringing that system over to us here. Um, but I'm right there with you, dude. I, I feel almost similarly, similarly 
I'm going to get crucified for this and that's all right. But <laughs> I, I, I was talking to my buddy today about how like, okay, what fan base or what team would you like if the, if the team left, like, let's say the jets went to South Dakota <laughs> and that's, oh. that, that's their new team. Like, are you becoming a giants fan? Do you follow the jets to South Dakota? Do you pick a new team? I don't know, especially, I guess it's probably a little bit more of a trickier question with the, with the YouTube channel, but I, I feel like I would align myself more with the excitement of Bills fans, I think, than I would with like the New York Giants, for instance, or, you know, maybe even a closer, not even a closer team, but like a team like Philly or, you know, any other team, just because there's, they're a likable team. Like I like Josh Allen. I like Bills Mafia. I don't really have the vitriol hate in my body right now for them the way i do for like the patriots and the dolphins which is weird because yeah, like the dolphins no haven't colors. really been yeah like the hey, well he's right <laughs> the dolphins <laughs> haven't really been you know relevant either in the last few years but i just i feel i feel like there's a fun aspect to that um it's just it's weird it's odd to see and i i, I get where richie's coming from like i think there's going to be a lot of bandwagon fans if the jets start doing well because there's a lot of likable guys on this team you watch Elijah Moore and Michael Carter and Zach Wilson and all these guys kind of being buddy, buddy and, and going to games. And, you know, I, I think there's a swagger about this team. I think Robert Sal is a really likable head coach. I think there's a lot to like about this team. And I think you will, when the jets do get good, you'll see that, you know, influx of other teams, fans rooting for us as like a secondary team for them. And that, that's fun and, to have. And to touch on that thoughts? real quick, Ryan, yeah. real quick, I just want to say something like, Zach Wilson, if he does become the quarterback we're hoping for him to become, the talent that he has, like it's not guaranteed that he's a franchise quarterback. I'm not saying he is yet. But if he is, right, just everyone in their minds, visualize Zach Wilson being a good quarterback and like a top quarterback, top 10, top 12 range for the Jets. He has that talent. He has that flashiness. He has that arm to the point where he's going to be that quarterback that a lot of fans around the league are going to like. And really going to be like, wow, like he's going to be that quarterback where maybe becomes that veteran eventually, you know, he's 27, 28, he's still in the Jets. Remember, this is just a reality I'm creating. This is not something I think is going to happen guaranteed. It's what we're hoping to happen. I feel like Zach Wilson is going to be one of those quarterbacks that a lot of kids growing up look up towards. Like, wow, Zach Wilson's awesome. Like he has that swagger to him. He has that star mm. potential to him. I don't know if that makes sense. Like he doesn't have that like standard, like just quarterback, like get, you know, those quarterbacks are successful. If you're sex, if you're winning football games, that's all that matters. That's all they really care about. I just want a quarterback that wins us football games and win, wins us a damn Super Bowl. It doesn't matter if they're flashy or not. What I'm trying to say is Zach has that little it factor to him where if he does pan out, he's going to have those jersey sales where he's going to be that, that guy that a lot of uh, NFL fans really gravitate towards and like his game, the way he plays the game of football with his athleticism and his arm talent. Uh... Manny Romano celebrates 17 years of membership, says, you guys hear Mark Sanchez's take on Zach. Well said. Uh, I actually did not hear what it was. I saw it pop up, and I just haven't had the time to actually see it. Richie, have you seen anything about what uh, Sanchez said about Zach? Um, was it on the Jets podcast that they just posted today, or was it when he was interviewing Zach? Because I saw the one when he interviewed Zach. I don't know if he... Which one is referring to? I'm not sure. Because 
Mark Sanchez was on the Jets podcast today with like Eric Allen or something, and I did not watch that, but I did see Sanchez and Mangled interview Zach. So I don't know. Yeah, he's talking about today. So no, I did not see that. Greenbean, you hear anything about uh, Mark Sanchez uh, and his take on Zach from today? You're uh, muted, Greenbean. Yeah, I, I didn't. No, nah, I'm sorry. I'm all over the place right now. I'm sorry, guys. That's all right. I'll have to take a watch, and uh, I'll get back to you, Manny Romano. Mark uh, Thomas Cahill. Awesome, by the way. <laughs> Cahill drops in and says, I've got one word for Stephen A. Patricia. Lol. Uh, yeah, he's talking about Stephen A. Smith. Uh, what else we got in here? Thomas also drops in and says, remember when Mike Francesa shouted into the mic, there is no Jet Nation. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, dude, there's we have one of the best fan bases in all of sports. Like when the Jets were good in 2009 and 2010, the buzz that was around the city, when the Jets are good, it is such a different animal compared to like other teams. And maybe it's, you know, when the Yankees are good or the Giants are good, it just feels different. Like it's, you don't get the wow factor in it. Richie, am I wrong in this? Like when the Jets play well, does it feel like there's a different buzz or is it just because we're fans? Oh, no, there's definitely going to be a bigger buzz. You know, there's going to be a, first of all, it's New York. So the buzz in the city is already important because there's two New York teams in pretty much every sport. You know, we got WFAN that's talking New York sports all day long. Um, ESPN radio, of course, as well. You know, it's just like, first of all, the buzz in the city is going to be ridiculous because the Jets have been terrible for so damn long. The Giants have had their success, even though they've been really bad with the Jets for the past five years or so. But the Giants have had their two, two, two Super Bowls in the last 15 years. You know, it's been since 1969 for the Jets. So I feel like the city is going to absolutely explode when it happens. And we're also going to be a team that, um, first of all, we're always talking about why is the national media hyping up the Jets so much, right? Like, wow, like, why are we such a talking point? Like, we have people saying that RG3 saying the Jets could have 10 wins. We have this this person saying that Zach Wilson can do that, uh, this this and that. Like we're a topic, you know. We're we're a team that you know NFL, the NFL uh, media is looking for that next young bad team to turn into the next big thing, right? The Cincinnati Bengals did it. Um, even the Cleveland Browns are a franchise that's been so bad with the Jets for so long, and now they're finally have turned it around. Obviously, they have a lot of issues. What's going on with you know? I don't want to get into it, but you guys know what I'm trying to say. So the Jets are kind of like that that next team up. Even the Jacksonville Jaguars, they had that one season with Blake Bortles where they went to the AFC Championship like three or four years ago. It, unfortunately for them, it hasn't been sustainable, and now they're back at square one with the new quarterback with Trevor Lawrence. But we're that team that's been so bad for so long. And when we are good, there's going to be a completely different buzz um, within the city, globally, and of course within our own fan base. That's going to be the most fun of it all. Green Bean, uh, I have what? We've got 250 likes. Do you have a, a list of names you got going for this t shirt giveaway? Yep. I all got right, Richie, Can I have you go over to last week's Talking Jets panel? You can go to either stream, there were two of them. Because we got booted off due to my Wi-Fi connection or Ethernet connection. Uh, screw you, Optimum. 
uh, and just pick five names from there that can get rattled off and they'll be entered five into our t-shirt giveaway tonight. The, ch the chat or the comments? What am I looking at? We're going to go to the comment section of either one of the two streams. So guys, if you're tuned in to tonight's stream or you're listening to it after the fact, drop a comment down below, get entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway. Although oddly enough, there's a real good shot. This is the last Talking Jets panel until July. Uh, and that's because Baby Girl is due this Woo! Saturday. And I might have to do dad things. So <laughs> it may not may have to wait until the uh, training camp starts coming around again. Yeah, I can't believe Ryan's not going to show up for us every week. Uh, <laughs> this is bullshit. We should check his his commitment to us. Well, we'll see, right? Like, I, who knows? Maybe I'll be so burnt out from watching uh, the new baby. I'll be like, I gotta, gotta hop on and talk some jets. Gotta let off some steam. Yeah, maybe. maybe. We'll see. <laughs> so anyone that just commented anything? Yeah, that, can comment anything. Right, it could be like, it. you know, Ryan sucks. That that qualifies. Cool. Um, I'm going to pick Mark Ferraro. Ferraro. F-E-R-R-A-R-O. Ferraro. Right, Congratulations. Congratulations. Typing it all down. Who else we got? He's how many people am I choosing? You're choosing five total. Oh, I thought it was one. What am I doing here? Oh, now I'm on this. I'm on today's stream. That's not gonna work. Okay, so Mark, uh Patrick Sullivan. Okay. Um AZ Jets. All caps, one word. All right. Josh Scott. All right. Good one. Last one. Last one. Drum roll, please. Uh, FBJT. It's F-B-J-A-Y-T-E-E. -E. All right. I'm looking at a bunch of the comments in the chat. Uh, the world's youngest Jets fan is soon to arrive. I see uh, Ryan watching your baby is voluntary. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> La birth live stream is going to be trending. <laughs> I don't think Becca will be too thrilled with that. She might. Uh... Don't tell her. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> Why do you have the pilot hat on? Uh, no reason. <laughs> don't worry about right. it. Why do you have the pilot hat on? <laughs> <laughs> Edward Ziff says Aikman, Manning, Elway all sucked year one. Chill. J.E. Allen says Jets are winning the first game. J.E.T.S. Jets, Jets, Jets. The three of us, O'Leary, blew it. Let's talk Jets radio. Uh, Buffalo Jets fan. We're going to have a crew of guys going a week one we're really excited about it. we'll let you guys know exactly where we're going to wind up as far as tailgate stuff goes um but it's going to be a lot of fun week one all right boys and girls we've reached the end of our stream we're going to do a little bit of odds and evens so richie you're going to throw up any number of fingers when i count to three uh or count down from three and then we're going to cross off people as we go so you ready three two one three no, I'm doing two, sorry. It's two, five, six. All right, it's an even green bean. Scratch off those names. Okay. Jets forever. See you later. Steven Engel, you're gone. Ed Stewart, later. Gitmo Bob, you're out. 
Tin, oh, no, Tin Star, you're still in. Mark Ferraro's gone. Patrick Sullivan's gone. And Josh Scott is gone. All right. Three, two, one. That's an even. You got eight. Good All math, right? Yes. Yeah, so well, I had a go. I was like, okay, that's two. That's a two. That's a four. Evens. Joe, don't even yeah. have to count them up. Joe S, you're out. Dark Soldier, you're out. Tin Star, you're out. And FBJT, you're out as well. We got four left. Four left. All right. Three, two, one. Eight, nine. We got an odd. <laughs> Math is hard. All right. We got, then there were two. Last one. All right, chat Man. first number to pop up after Dark Soldiers. FU <laughs> will be the number yeah. that gets mixed in with ours. Three, two, one. That's a five plus a six. That's an odd number. Green Bean, who we got as our winner? Thomas Cahill, you are the winner. Didn't Thomas win last week, maybe? Didn't he win? I don't know. I, Thomas I, won, buddy. Thomas Cahill, Cahill. I think Mark Riss won last week. I'm pretty sure. Mark Riss, uh, I, right. I don't know if okay. Cahill's ever won before. I got to go back and look. Not sure, it rings a bell. Either well, way, go, he's a Tommy. good guy. We, yeah, we he like is. Thomas. He's all right. He's a good dude. All right, boys and girls, we've reached the end of our stream, so let's go around our panel. Let's give our closing thoughts. Richie, thank you so much for jumping on with us tonight. Give us your thoughts, what you got going on. Appreciate uh, you having me on, as always. Always a pleasure to talk some Jets with you fellas. Um, if you guys are interested, I have a brand new series on Jets Media called Position Breakdowns, and I'll be having a special guest for each episode. The first episode came out on Monday, which well, yesterday actually, which was Matt O'Leary, as you guys know him very well. We were breaking down the offensive line. And then today, we had another special guest that I uploaded, and his name is Green Bean. We talked hey. about the tight end room. We talked about the entire tight end room. And uh, stay tuned. Ryan will be featured on the channel as well. We'll be talking about the wide receivers. So mm. stay tuned. I got a position breakdown series that is in the works. Trying to, trying to have a lot of special guests to uh, break down each position on the New York Jets. And, of course, I got a lot of uh, content coming your way throughout the offseason. Always a pleasure to be on here talking with Ryan, talking with Greeny, and, of course, connecting with all the great Jets fans in the chat. Love you all. Appreciate you having me on. I have to take a second to post uh, Hank G's comment. He says, baby girl soon to be ejected from current location. Uh, Becca would evict the baby if she could right now. <laughs> she, she's like, uh -huh. I am so ready to pop. Uh, Green Bean, any last thoughts for our panel? Yeah, so big news uh, for the Thursday thick of it this week. We have Coach Mike Westhoff on the show with us. And uh, I'm actually reading the book, so it's going to be a little bit different I know he's making his little tour right now, but it's going to be it's going to be good, guys. I have some very unique and deep questions for him. So check us out eight o'clock on my channel, Green Bean Jets fan. And if you're not done tonight in 30 minutes, we will be going live for the after hour Jets Fest on Green Bean Jets fan on YouTube as well. And I'll see you guys all over there. All right, Thomas, make sure you reach out to me, uh, jetstalk247 at gmail.com. Reach out to me on Instagram, something like that. I'll get your uh, information. I'll send you out a shirt. But, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's been a lot of fun. This is Jets Talk signing off. J-E-T-S.